uh, you join us, listener, where Nate has turned into Gollum over merchandising rights. A horse's heart. <laughs> the queen's chest opened. <laughs> no, no, don't like that. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I've said before, but the team have struggled to come up with a a design for Shergar's heart squad that is, isn't terrifying. Isn't there a documentary about Shergar coming out with vanilla ice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At last. This has been, uh, our brand is established enough that this has been tweeted at the Rock Paper Shotgun account on Twitter. But yeah, so Vanilla Ice is narrating a several part documentary about Shagar for the BBC, I think, or like ITV or something. They should talk to us about pop culture, like ripples that it caused. (laughs) I just, I... I just want to know, like, why, like, is has Vanilla Ice always been passionately interested in Shaka? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, like, why would you go to Vanilla Ice? Maybe he is Shaka. I'm having to clamp my mouth shut so as not, 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 not to start redoing his one song about a dead horse. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> move on, move on. Welcome, listener, to the Electronic Wireless Show, episode 143, the Ideal E3 special. This is Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. Um, I'm Alice Bell, and I'm joined this week, very excitingly, by Jeff Keeley. Hello. <laughs> and Ving Games. Hello. So Is that like version? Ving Rames, but for games? Yeah, it's Ving Rames, but he's got a monitor for a head. Right. Classic <laughs> E3 presence there. Ving Rames. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeff, you're sounding much more sedate and, and English than usual. So. Uh, I, I, I put it all on for my presentations, and the only thing that gets me excited is a world-exclusive trailer. So as I haven't got one of those right now, uh, this is what I'm like most of the time. Ah, interesting. Mm. Actually, the subject of our accents did come up again in, in the Discord this week. Um, all right, because it's difficult. to If you're not from a country, regional variations are quite difficult to hear within accents. But I think me and Matthew are basically the same. We're not southern, southern England, but like not southwest or southeast estuary. No. So just like boring, classic bang in the middle, Hampshire baby. I'm a I'm a little bit southwest, but it never really made its way into my accent. Um, and then Nate, you're a little bit further north, but not like full 
Yorkshire territory, are you? Yeah, my accent doesn't know where it is, really. Um, it used to be very London, but like I've been doing everything I can to wash London out of my mind. Um, I think the Midlands are starting to seep in around the edges. And Dad was from Derbyshire, which is the East Midlands, which sounds very different. I've got a little ah. bit of that, maybe. Um, and a big old hefty slice of grammar school RP. Oh, nice. So we're none of us are very regional, really. But um, no. my dad was from Wales, but he ran away from home when he was 16. So by the time I was born, he basically didn't have any trace of that left. Um, it's interesting because uh, I've been watching that Mayor of East Town recently, which oh, yeah. people made a big song and dance about because of Kate Winslet's accent in it. And it's the, um, where is it set? Is it Philadelphia accent, I think? Um, and it's in, and, and the, the other interesting thing, it, we've been watching The Wire, and when you've got local actors into it, in it doing the, the, the proper Baltimore accent compared to the kind of people doing a sort of generic or, or a, you know, a less well-placed accent. Um, you do hear it. I do. You hear, is it really true people don't hear accents in other... It's not that you don't hear it, but it's hard to identify the right. difference between, like, where accents come from, unless you're a native, I think. Like, yeah. like Irish accents are quite different across the island of Ireland. I found there was a point in my late teens where I suddenly developed the ability to differentiate between American and Canadian accents <laughs> and Australian and New Zealand accents. Well, Australian and, and New Zealand, New Zealand's very, it's very much its own thing, right? I can't believe but I like, ever thought they were the same. I suppose there's commonality there, isn't there? What accent would you have if you could choose? Any? Um, I think maybe Liverpool. I quite like the kind of proper Scouse. Yeah, right. There wouldn't be bad, eh? I couldn't place specific ones. I know there's a huge range, but generally I, I do like Scottish accents. Yeah. There's, there's something that they, they naturally it, it like powers up some like humorous statement. I like some of the sort of Scottish YouTubers and Twitch streamers and things like they're just just there's a natural funniness to the accents. There, there was a weird character. thing like this. This is this is quite inside baseball for listeners as well. There was a weird thing a few years ago. And I think it's mostly stopped now, uh, where English games journals would use like. Scottish patter like they'd use like oh. even the word patter like they'd use like Scots slang and stuff yeah I have no idea where that came from or why any of them thought it was cool or appropriate to do yeah, it's but this is the thing I think like you just know it is it is it's it's like naturally a lot more charismatic so a lot of cold English b- <laughs> have sort of stolen it to try and make themselves seem seem kind of friendlier or funnier or warmer uh, it is so, like a few years ago, uh, I was in a D&D group and uh, uh, like my friend Dean, um, who's one of my dearest friends now, uh, he's from Dublin and uh, there was like a cold English bath 
and <laughs> he was a player in the group who started turning up and being like, what's the crack? It doesn't uh, work in an English accent. Yeah, I, st- I steer clear. I just couldn't pull that stuff off. So, well, Luckily, I've got my portfolio of uh, flawless Sopranos accents to fall back on at all times. <laughs> so they were a real triumph last week, I think. <laughs> well, that was, I think, the jumping off point for the discussion of accents. Because, um, yeah, your, your Sopranos voices were so accurate. <laughs> Holy walnuts. <laughs> um, we've, we've literally just started re-watching The Sopranos this week and the gulf is so much more vast now that I can hear those accents in that kind of proximity. How, how dare you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this, this week, um, our theme is going to be our ideal E3 show. Mm. So it's mm. not... Because I thought we should do something E3, but I didn't want to do one of those like nostalgic best E3 moments. And I didn't want to do like predictions because we've done that before, I think. And uh, so the the pitch this week is that, do you remember the good old days where E3 was just three shows that you had to watch instead of a million? Mm. Um, it was just Sony, Xbox, Nintendo. Um, well, E3 is now just one show. And we've been put in charge of it, uh, and we wow. can we can build our own show. At so last, of uh, the proviso that being that we're not allowed to say the best E three ever wouldn't be about games; it would be about lilt or fish. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my ship has sunk already. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, without further ado, we should get into the planning stages of. Best E3 ever. So are we each pitching our own ideal E3 or are we trying to collaboratively agree a consensus ideal E3 throw, designed throw by Throw ideas into like a pot, right? Yeah, I yeah. was thinking consensus because that would be funnier. Uh, <laughs> for example, who should host, if anyone? Thing Games. A so chilling thing- cyborg created only for the three days of the event but why is it just because his name can be turned into a games pun is that that's correct (laughs) (laughs) great (laughs) also he's you know he's a really big man and i think his body could probably withstand having a pc monitor i mean we wouldn't use the actual ving rames we'd like clone him like i say specifically for the event and mm. like transplant a monitor onto his head, which displays his emotions and stuff. You see, I think for the average person who's tuning in or going to E3, like the only bit of Ving games that works is the idea that they get to see the Ving Rames. If it's not even that, if it's this weird sort of thing you've made in a lab, I think people would be very disappointed. Like also- if it wasn't Keanu Reeves who came out, it was a clone <laughs> of Keanu Reeves. And he had, you know, they'd actually turned him into Johnny Silverhand. They'd actually given him a metal hand. I don't think the audience reaction would have been as positive. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine. What about it's... Um, are they still tipping Idris Elba to be the next James Bond? Oh, sometimes, yeah. Right, so I, I think him. he's kind of always in the conversation, but not, you know. All right, okay. Well, if it's not confirmed, it's Daniel Craig. 
but he's got a monitor forehead and he's called Games Bond. (laughs) (laughs) And the show starts up. And there's a big graphic of a computer monitor, which like powers on and there's him aiming a mouse at the screen and he clicks Mm. and blood rains down, but the blood's all made out of zeros and ones. Oh, like the Matrix. Yeah. Or, or games. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but we're Is discounting, this... like, Jeff. I don't, I don't think it should be Jeff Keighley. I've got a plan for Jeff as well, but I don't want to... I want to keep my powder dry on that one. I mean, I should say that I, like, I feel the ideal E3 show would have some video game announcements and reveals and not just be a series of very heightened, feverish events where, like, Jeff Keighley's head... <laughs> like a balloon grows in size every time something happens until it bursts and like showers the audience with game ideas in the form of little fish or something like i mean that's brilliant (laughs) i I was actually thinking like again clone him and but this time switch off all the genes that inhibit growth so and and accelerate it so he grows to the size of king kong and you know, like in any King Kong film, like, you know, it's in Broadway or whatever, and the curtain rises up and there's King Kong who's been captured and he's furious. <laughs> yeah. It's like that, but it's Jeff Keighley, the size of a building. And it's like, trailers! I, I feel like Nate's Ideal 3 is really burying the lead. <laughs> like, it's pitched as like... A video game show, uh, but then it turns out has made huge scientific advancements. <laughs> well, yeah, in, like what gene I'm therapy. Is, <laughs> you need a like a shockingly post-human nightmare as the centerpiece to really drag in the world's attention. You know, <laughs> mm. that is. I mean, that I imagine that has come up several times at like the Xbox conference planning meetings. <laughs> Every single time, every time Major Nelson is like, me, do it to me. (laughs) Turn me into the the shocking post-human nightmare. Well, they had the big gorilla shouting into the camera um, last year, didn't they? You're the the only person in the world who liked that. Yeah, (laughs) but it was real. You can't say that wasn't a genuine, like, alien gorilla. (laughs) I think it's a test. I think they've tested that idea now and seen that it doesn't really land so much that you have to delay and remake the game. Like it's the ex- the exact opposite of what you're trying to achieve with an E3. It's <laughs> what you want. <laughs> All right, okay, Matthew. What would your uh, uh, well? I think like, are we talking about it having just a conference for all of E3? Yeah, because I feel like it's beyond the scope of this podcast for us to plan three shows. So <laughs> yeah, multiple. Uh, I I mean, a, a rather boring take is that I think developers should be able to present their work. I don't actually like it when people put celebrities on it because it's got nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, like the whole idea is that you toil kind of in secrecy for all these years and then to get a chance to actually put your face on it. You know, one of the things I was going to say is something I would like at my ideal E3 is like more sort of human, uh, or more sort of uh, like emotion from the developer. You know, they don't have to be super slick. I want them to tell it to me in their words. And, you know, the, the few moments 
a few moments that you, I do remember from E3 are where like, you know, people kind of broke out of the kind of slick presenter mold. Yeah, and... there was um, Sea of Solitude. That was an EA original, and it was a the the lead devs slash German lady who just was super excited about presenting her game. Or yeah. um, that guy who presented the Unraveled. Remember that with Yanni? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was, but he was genuinely like shaking and really nervous. And I'm not saying I want to like traumatize developers by making them go on stage. <laughs> just but Matthew. like that isn't like that. I just want them to know that it isn't embarrassing when they do that. It's great, you know. It's Matthew on, on stage, like in the wings with a cattle prod, forcing the most nervous of the, the. That's what you do. You go around all the studios before the show, and you're like. Take me to your most shy team member. <laughs> and then we'll grow him into a hundred foot tall monstrosity. <laughs> and climb into this chamber. Okay. I, know, I do love about, you know, how my ideas were all about making E3 inhuman. And yours, uh, you know, it's about making it human. That's sweet. Yeah, that's... that's Respective that's, I, that. I, I love that thing a couple of years ago at the Ubisoft conference where... Um, the rabbits and Mario guy was like having a little cry in the audience when Miyamoto was like, David, you know, I love working with this guy. And you could tell he was just having his like mind blown to have got to that point or whatever. Yeah. And Aww. that's, that's, that's stuff I really like. Cause you know, that's okay. what I don't want Keanu Reeves being the face of a, you know, project unless he actually made it. And he is the shyest member of the team, which I would be surprised. <laughs> and he seems a very confident dude. I don't know. I think he seems quite sort of nice and retiring. You know, God, like, imagine having. A, well, yeah, I guess that is true. I was just going to say, imagine a studio where Keanu Reeves is like the least confident person. It would just be a nightmare of like egos and personalities. <laughs> CEO okay. bike or shout horn. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So compromise then. So far, is that we're agreed that all the games should be presented by developers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those developers will be a hundred foot tall monsters. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or okay. you know, mod- modified in some way from what God intended. So like I... they have like a screen embedded in their tummy playing the, the trailer, like a Teletubby. Mm. Yeah, that's perfect. Cause they, then they can narrate their own footage. Okay. Uh, a, a bit, uh, I guess to tie in with that and, to, and to sort of the, the sort of showmanship that Nate so clearly craves um i really like it when something descends from a ceiling during a conference <laughs> with you 1000 percent. i like it when microsoft have like a car that comes down from the ceiling and everyone's looking <laughs> at the car i do, it's dumb but it's you know i like the theater of it <laughs> yeah there was the the one conference i went to in person because i've been to e3 a couple of times but i you know you just are there um but I, I and I don't often like get into the conferences or apply to get into the conferences because you actually are able to cover them much better. Oh yeah, from from outside basically. You can either be at E3 or know what is going on at E3. Yeah. Um. So, but the one I one time I went to was the uh, reveal of the the new Xbox. Um. The um, not this one. The one before. So oh, the, the, the old Bloodmaster, yeah. Um, and the, and there was a bit where, yeah, they just brought a new, like, it's like, oh, look, it's the new model Porsche or something. They just bought, like, a new car on stage. Mm. I <laughs> want was... everything to come down from the ceiling, all the developers. I want them all to be 
up there in harnesses and they're just waiting there for their bit where they descend okay. for the show. Like a regional production of Peter Pan. Occasionally, like, shoes are just falling down on the <laughs> audience and people are like, what the hell's up there in the shadows? It's a load of nervous programmers. Vast nervous programmers. Vast nervous programmers. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. When the shoes rain down, you'll be like, whose shoe is this and why is it, like, two metres long? <laughs> <laughs> This okay. is a giant slipper. So that we will lose some of the audience in the process, is what we're saying. I mean... Well, no, because they all get free armour. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. That's, oh, right, that's, okay. that's the free tap. Well, well, that that's another thing I like, is uh, as a little dramatic device, is when they're like, everyone here gets a connect. Um, they don't really do that anymore, but they, there was a phase where Xbox would say, you know, here's the Xbox 360 Slim. And everyone in this room is getting one. And then the crowd goes nuts because they're all getting free stuff and they're total shields. Um, so a bit of that, you're all getting armour. Yeah, I didn't get yeah. any, any free stuff. But they, my year, the year I was there was the year where like they front loaded like the main audience area with like influencers and fans and stuff. And it was yeah. the year where someone yelled, we love you, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> I- Phil Spencer. Phil Spencer doesn't care about you. You're you're a potential sale to him. <laughs> Trained audiences are should be banned from Dream E3. So it's how are we going to allocate tickets and stuff then? It's so, it's press and like PR stuff basically. You can't like, or well, you didn't used to be able to like buy a ticket to the conferences. Well, you. Oh no, you, but this is what I'm saying. Are we going to oh, uh, democratize what, it? I mean, based on that, the audience should surely be. An army of cloned Matthews wearing armor. <laughs> so just sitting oh, there, like so much cloning. This is going to be such an expensive show to put on. Yeah, Master Chiefs. Let's get loads of them. <laughs> yeah, so loads of like loads of Matthews in in Master Chief I armor. Mean, if they're clones, they don't need the armor because it doesn't matter if they get crushed by the shoes. Interesting. So Matthews adopting the philosophical position that clones don't have souls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that was the presupposition for Ving Games. Otherwise, it's inhuman. <laughs> like, well, yeah, but as the original, I have give permission for my clones to be crushed by shoes. That's a, haven't you seen the Prestige, Matthew? The yeah. yeah, he thought it was aspirational. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, screw the man in the box. <laughs> <laughs> If I get uh, get time before, in fact, the E3 coverage starts later, Matthew, I might for the um for the website this week do a picture, a Photoshop of you as a giant armored clone. I think that'd be good fun. Wait, yeah, the, the the audience are giants as well. Oh, not a hundred foot, but I mean, large because you know Matthew's already a tall man. Mm. Let's add a foot. <laughs> Let's add. Yeah, why not? Aren't you creating a dangerous situation where your clones are going to be more powerful than you, Matthew? Well, that's why I I've, I've, I finished most of them off with the shoes, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> up with a Planet of the Matthews situation otherwise. Yeah. Like, the shoes aren't really an accident. It's a requirement. Like, <laughs> like the, the conference has a double... It's like one half is trying to sort of, like, support what's happening on the stage, but also by the end... We do need to have killed all the clones. <laughs> uh, like that is a that is important. Okay, Camera so the cl- cuts to a, a haggard Alice stepping out of a spaceship escape pod onto a 
like apocalyptic <laughs> beach and looking up at a massive half shattered statue of Matthew <laughs> Castle. <laughs> You idiots, you finally went and did it. The ideal E3. <laughs> so, so the clones are not wearing armour now. Not, we want no. Them, we want them to die now. We want the audience. Ideally. It's not want, need. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's, you know. Because otherwise, we don't want the clones to become the story. Because E3 is really yeah. about like a platform for a lot of interesting game developers, and we don't want everyone just to be like uh, a load of clones are wrecking downtown LA. You know. <laughs> <laughs> also, because it's got my face all over it, and that's terrible PR for for the original me. Yeah, <laughs> LA is is going to be out of lilt for <laughs> yeah, Rio, for please. Rio, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. No, I was about to lilt up. We don't want to go down that dark road. <laughs> okay, all right. So we we've established the sort of framework. Um so yeah. what what games do we want to bring to the ideal three? So is this like dream games or like both? And like dream game, but also like cause for example, I the the um some of the the reveals that I remember being really like whoa to to me were like the and I know this is me playing to type but the original Dragon Age like the first trailers for that were amazing not only because they were weirdly like set to metal music and like <laughs> really <laughs> emphasized like the the war aspect of it for some reason but also they made a big deal about the character creation and stuff and it was you know Bioware game it was really exciting so that kind of that kind of energy, I think, mm. I'd like so to, to bring. I've got an original uh, touch to bring to this. Now, imagine if, like, the big thing, and now this would be a headline buster, if they got every single developer to agree that there would be a year of no new games. And that was the announcement, a fast of games to whet people's appetite for the next year. Right. And then a one-minute silence. Oh, I don't know if the clones would adhere to that. But, yeah, Matthew. Oh, Matthew doesn't like that. That's not testing well with the Matthews. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not keen. So I know that like a wilder version of me would definitely not be keen. Wait, hang on. We we keep adding things on to these clones, so the the clones are also like angrier versions of you. Well, I I don't. Oh, it's terrible to think that in my head they're they're like a sort of pale imitation of me, so they haven't necessarily got all my you know my ability to kind of look at everything and kind of bring all all that together and, and work out what the best course of action is. I don't know. It's terrible. I, I, I think the fact they've been denied like any human rights would probably make them quite cross. Yeah, but they get primo seats at the conference. <laughs> okay, what if there's no... Okay, the announcement is no games for a year because you've all got to learn to appreciate them more. But all the developers have all worked together on one game which you can only play during this weekend. <laughs> Which is what? <laughs> well, that's 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 for us to decide. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't dare presume. Um, I mean, 
in in fairness, sort of a, a hard reset might be helpful because, and I know this isn't PC focused, but um, this isn't politically correct. But <laughs> Sony have got uh, into this habit where, like, if they've not, if they didn't have any any big sort of announcements that year, they'd announce something that was like four or five years away from release. And and mm. now they've got stuck in that kind of loop where they announced everything kind of a bit too early. So then when it comes to the time that they should have announced it, they don't have it. And then they have to kind of announce something else that's really far out from release. And I think a, f- a few publishers and developers maybe got got into that habit a little bit. So it'd be quite good to just reset a bit. Yeah, it would just be, look, rather than announcing anything new, focus on what you've already got. Oh, I listen, so E3s, loads of people refer to it as Games Christmas. You know, it's the time of the year where like all the exciting stuff happens. What you're proposing is a Christmas where there's no presents under the tree. And like yeah, I'm, I'm Games Cromwell, baby. And your folks are like <laughs> This year, the gift we're giving each other is just like the appreciation of our our own lives. And, you know, it's decent, but it also sucks. <laughs> so I, I just don't think that would fly. Okay. You know, for me, E3 still has ties with, like, it's, it's, it's such a gamey, gamey games thing. It's, it's a real, like, games magazines in the 90s, E3. It's, it's like... It's gaming at its most sort of obnoxious, and I kind of love that still. So Um, what about just one game announced? One, like, giga game? Well, I mean, I mean, it's kind of, the the notion's preposterous, because it means lots of people wouldn't be playing to their strengths, you know? Yeah, it would be fascinating, though, wouldn't it? I think it would be terrible. I think, you know, (laughs) if you add it, are there more good people? I don't know. I think the, I think the strengths of everyone would be completely lost because if you're like, oh yeah, like Nintendo, they just designed the audio menu or whatever, and you're like, well, what a waste of their talents. No, no, they'd all. It would be like one massive overarching game <laughs> with like AAA titles as many games within it. Oh well, well then you are talking about. That what you're actually talking about is just E3 where everyone announces a game, except it's all combined and everyone has to play all of them. Yes, and it comes on a single CD as big as a dustbin lid. Oh, well, hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure about the delivery method. Um, I like the, I do like the idea that you can play everything you see. Like one of the one of my favourite lines that you know, and it is it is a just an advertising line, I guess, but when Xbox have their, you know, everything you're about to see is on Game Pass, so it kind of feels like you own all of this already. It's, it's always yeah. quite exciting and buzzy in, in the moment. Um, the so some kind that, of like, and- everything at E3, you own. <laughs> you are going to own. That I've would got be, it. That's I've, a so- I've solved two problems at once here. All right. <laughs> so... Yes, all of the cloned Matthew souls, right. uh, all that their consciousness is is put on viewers' game Game Pass accounts. So, so all of these Matthews you can see here are on your Game Pass accounts when their mortal life is extinguished at the end of this event. 
you can continue to simulate them on your Xbox. What? I don't know. I've not thought this through, actually. I was just <laughs> thinking... Why would people want that? <laughs> they came for games. Imagine, imagine if, like, Clippy was, like, a, a small Matthew in the corner of your screen on no, your computer. Like yeah, that's it. He lives in your Game Pass account and, like, gives you advice and things. Or just, like, roasts the game if it's bad or roasts you. Yeah, but there's no games for them to roast because you're proposing a world where no one is makes any games. <laughs> well, you still got all your old games. That's the thing. Oh, it's just great. a year of so, fasting so the, from games. This huge conference we've put on, the whole purpose of this E3 is to tell people you can play all your old games except now there's a really distracting presence in, on the screen. Oh, okay. Perhaps I'll row back on that. You know, they can't <laughs> all be winners. I like the... I do uh, sort... I am warming to the idea of, like, you know... If you watch this E3 or you come to this three E3, you get everything at E3. <laughs> I think that's quite fun. Yeah, I, I think that would be good. So, like, at every game, it's sort of like Oprah, right? Like, after every mm. game announcement reveal, like, the dev is like, and that's available to play right now. And, and every single time they say it, the, the crowd of Matthews goes even more wild. Yeah. Have we thought of maybe a sort of a Hunger Games system where members of the public can join the Matthews if they can best themselves against them in an arena combat I, environment? I feel like the, we're getting hung up on the Matthews. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really want to distract from the, the main E3. That's fair, that's fair. I, I was going to ask uh, if there was a way we can make PC gaming a bit more relevant at E3, because traditionally... Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really happen because it isn't because no one like owns PC gaming particularly. You know, it doesn't have like a platform holder. It feels quite underrepresented. You know, you are basically there to see multi-format games, and where there are PC exclusives, they it doesn't feel like they get the same kind of uh like reach or notice mm. as as everything else. It still feels like quite a constantly event, and I know you get the PC gamer show made by our friends at PC Gamer, um, which, which does a good job. And, it, you know, but there I often see stuff where I think these games are technically massive. You know, there's a lot of games on PC that are as yeah. big as any AAA game, but they just don't have that kind of presence or they don't fit like a Roblox, you know? Mm. They just don't feel like E3 is for them or the best place. So I was wondering if there's a way we could make E3 friendlier or a better place for, like, you know, yeah. PC traditional PC fare, I guess. How dare you bring such a reasonable suggestion? Sorry, I know it's a, it's a bit of a bit it's of great. a it's great. turn to go from do we fight my clones to that. It's no. probably a welcome digression. Yeah, I think I think that's a good idea. Maybe so in addition to uh putting in some like old man PC games as like big headliners that the Matthews have to cheer really loudly for on pain of cattle prod from real Matthew. Um, maybe like we could say like the next, you know, like Halo game or the next like big Sony exclusive, like God of War 2 is actually a PC exclusive to kind of put yeah. a spotlight on PC gaming more. Or like, it's just because I think a lot of this stuff people would like if they tried it or saw it. They just don't pay any attention to it because it doesn't sound or feel like their traditional stuff. So I don't know if there's a way of like 
forcing E3 audiences to like eat their vegetables by sort of saying like, if you want to see the Assassin's Creed presentation, you first have to watch a presentation about, you know, D- Dwarf Fortress. Or, uh, okay, or like, like an unblockable ad. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to treat it though like that the Assassin's Creed is the pudding <laughs> and that Dwarf Fortress is the vegetables. I would never say that. But like, I think there is a lot of people who watch this stuff and get excited about E3. They might think of it in those terms, you know? What about a Freaky Friday thing where all of the console exclusives become PC exclusives and vice versa? It'd be very technologically easy to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, we've cracked cloning, so... Yeah. (laughs) Just use the same machine. Yeah. Somehow. I I, I do worry that this E3 is going a bit above its remit as just like a place that introduces games to it's now forced everyone to swap their IP. Well, this is the future. Mm, it's quite it, a bleak future where E3 has this con- control and command of the games industry. I mean, I think it's going that way though, isn't it? <laughs> what about every game gets announced with no platform and then they spiel a win of fortune at the end of the presentation oh, to see I which like platform that. gets it? Yeah, That's I mega. like that. Okay. So then it's just totally death down to chance who has the best E3. And it's like the Wheel of Fortune has got all the consoles ever made on it. <laughs> so you're like, oh no, we've got to make the next Assassin's Creed for Commodore 64. <laughs> God of War 2 coming exclusively to Game Boy Color. <laughs> that would be so interesting. And, it, you know, it's kind of a win for the public. It's like a gamble for them because it's like, oh, we can announce this game early before we've even started it, you know, because we don't know what console we're going to get, but then we have to take the risk. Mm. We could get the Magnavox. All right, I like that, I like that. If you want to keep up to date with PC gaming, you should listen to Rock Paper Shotgun's weekly podcast, The PC Gaming Week Spot. On it, I, Colin Ahern, and I, Matthew Castle, talk all the big news, we review the new games, and I destroy you in our weekly quiz. Oh, come on! I, yeah, actually, you are mostly right. You can subscribe to The PC Gaming Week Spot via all of your podcatching apps, or you can listen or watch us every Tuesday on rockpapershotgun.com. But we still haven't really got any actual games on the slate, I'd say. There's one, um, me and my my Age of Empires guild, um, which is me me and two other men, um, (laughs) we've had this persistent bit that's been forming over the last month or so. We've come up with the most aggravating game imaginable. And it's a pay-to-win mobile game called Gimli's World where there's some, the developer has found a loophole which allows them to use the IP of Gimli from Lord of the Rings, mm. but nothing else from Lord of the Rings. Right. And they've been sued so hard by the Tolkien estate that they're not even allowed to use the word like men <laughs> or earth. Um, you know, and, and they are absolutely in you know up the creek without a paddle financially so the game is just all about swindling players into buying gimeralds which are the game's in-game currency i reckon gimli's world <laughs> that's it that's that's the headline game 
Yeah, Gimli's world. <laughs> it's a game that's been, been nuked by intellectual property lawyers so and much. They, they can't use Middle Earth or anything, so he's just like at a school. <laughs> you know, he's got mates at high school and stuff, and to be he fair, solves that, mysteries. That Gollum game has the kind of faint whiff of that about it. It's oh, like yeah, I think subconsciously that's where this idea came from. <laughs> it's like all you've got is Gollum. So it's the story of how Gollum chucks the ring into Mount Doom or whatever, and you're like, hmm, is that right? Except it's not Mount Doom, because that's that's also trademarked. We figured as well, the <laughs> ultimate like purpose of the game, what you'd be spending your Gimeralds towards, um, <clears throat> is unlocking the legal action for the company to acquire the IP rights to Bluto, the villain from Popeye. <laughs> nice. That's it's the just... reward. <laughs> Uh, I mean, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not have that one. Uh, I like it when they're not necessarily just like gritty reboots, but when something, I do like it when something comes back after years away, like a Shenmue or whatever, or something that you've figured is just dead and gone for good. So like mm. maybe dip into a bit of the, the LucasArts back catalogue. I'd like that at my E3. Okay. Where they're like, here's like, here's a, Here's a proper Monkey Island. We've got all the original gang back on it. You know, maybe give it to Double Fine or whatever. I, that would be great. Something, a real, like, nostalgia play for my childhood. Okay, ch- ch- which one would you choose? Uh, pr- I would pro- probably Monkey Island as, as a world that I feel like there's just loads of stories to be told in that place. You know, like, I don't think they should make, like, a Grim Fandango 2. I don't think you could, um, story-wise. But, yeah, pro- probably Monkey Island's my favourite of that lot. I'd back that. And would we be talking, would you do the same format again, just with today's technology? Would it be a, you know, how far are we diverging? You're just using the IP, but doing something new with it? Uh, no, I'd be quite happy for them just to make like a really kick-ass, beautifully animated, you know, wonderful voice acting um, point and click game. Uh, you know, it doesn't, there was that weird period where, it felt like to go legit, all point and click games kind of became 3D and started controlling a bit like, um, well, you know, like any, you know, any, you know, there was the 3D Monkey Island and it never quite clicked for me. I felt like everyone was working so hard on making this big, complicated 3D world that they like lost focus of the, you know, what made those games great. Or Yeah, it did make a bad genre even worse. Oh, oh. it's a bad genre. It's a great... How can you not like point a click game? It's like that's pure you, isn't it? No, it's dreadful. It's all jokes, though. Um, I I can't think of many jokes I've enjoyed in those mm. games. I mean, you know, they're quite funny and stuff, but like, I think maybe it's because I spent the last twenty years having people like quote the sword fighting insults at me, and it's kind of like the Monty Python effect. Mm. Well, like once yeah. something has been quoted at you a thousand times, you just sort of want to incinerate it. I yeah, I, I have the same thing with um, uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Like, the, the, I'm sorry. Like, if you like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that's fine. But there is a subgenre of Hitchhiker's Guide fan <laughs> who is the worst person in the entire world. You're right. No, you're right. And. And have just killed any interest I had or may have ever had in that mm. franchise. I just, I think it can, I think this stuff can still be done. It's what I was talking a few weeks back about the, why I like the Dark Side Detective, is it felt like it was of that tradition. Mm. 
but hadn't succumbed to the kind of the snide um sort of sarcastic withering sort of hero who just blasts everything and everything anything he meets you know it's mm. it's just a naturally charming not everything has to be a big joke um yeah it's not like nerd humor we often find that things are funnier when they're not under pressure to constantly do jokes like the mm. funniest stuff is usually stuff that isn't a comedy mm. but yeah. you know it's just it's very th- funny I still think, though, that that's um like Tim Schafer and the lot at, at Double Fine, like make games that do make me laugh. Like I, I, you know, I like that guy's sense of humor. I think he has a great eye for character. Um, you know, I think they've still got the the stuff to kind of bring a bring a Monkey Island back. Well, he probably wouldn't want to do it, you know, because he wants to move forward and do other interesting things. But um, we probably yeah. don't need more remakes, do we? And reboots. But yeah, this is why we keep getting remasters of stuff. It's because yeah, but it's. There's like obvious stuff, and then there's 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 things where you're like, oh yeah, that I like that. That's I'm all gonna, the vibe I'm going for. I'm going to drop my bad boy image and just make a sensible suggestion. Um, <laughs> more original RTS games, big budget ones. Mm. Like, because at the moment it's either like, with the exception of Age of Empires Four, which I'm very excited about, it's either uh, safe bet remakes of stuff from the early 90s or it's pipe dream early access stuff that if it does get finished is years away and made on quite a low budget which can still be brilliant but it's you know at the risk of sounding snobbish there is something special about a a big old like bells and whistles mega budget real-time strategy game that we just don't see these days Mm. and that's my nostalgia i'd love that Hmm. I that, I I think that'd be good. I mean, I was gonna suggest sort of similarly to the idea that we need more new things. I think I'd quite like if you know someone like a Tim Schafer was given just like a lot of money to make something explicitly new, uh, mm-hmm. sort of in the way that like Psychonauts was totally new. Because I played Psychonauts at the weekend and I was like. God, this is good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, it is. Yeah, um, and it still feels really new and different. And I'd like not. I'd like another Psychonauts, but n- not a Psychonauts too. Do you know what I mean? I'd like a yeah. a new That's thing. That's what I was like thinking that. of when it, when I was thinking. Oh, maybe it would be a waste of waste of them to just go make more Monkey Island. Actually, mm. like just do what you did with Psychonauts, but not Psychonauts too. Although I'll happily play Psychonauts too. Uh, but and then by the same token, I would like someone to give a lot of money to like, uh, you know, smaller devs like the people like um, you know the the people who made stuff like Heaven Will Be Mine, or you know just just indie devs that are like teams of a couple of people, and then just be like, yeah, you have an army of like experienced coders and artists and and whatever, and they will bring your vision to life so we get big budget kind of interesting weird stuff i think that would be cool but also i would like dragon age 4 so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> matthew what about a point and click called ape island made by tim schaefer <laughs> yeah I'd be, I'd be up for that that's original <laughs> <laughs>
uh yeah so i'd like because like i think we do need new stuff and it is bad when it's just the same kind of big budget things that are getting all the money every year um in the same way that like i do like the marvel cinematic universe and i you know i watched the new low-key tv series last night but it is a bit kind of creatively worrying that Disney own everything, you know? It's mm. bit, bit, getting a bit serious here, lads. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, what? they're just um, they're just playing to a big audience of my clones. That's, that's where they've gone. <laughs> I felt the same with The Mandalorian, because I loved that show. Like, I genuinely thought it was brilliant. But <clears throat> I had this thought afterwards and thought, imagine how, like, Imagine how interesting that would have been if it hadn't have been Star Wars, if it had just been someone's new sci-fi property. Mm. I just thought, yeah, but then, then it, it would have failed by definition. Mm. And that's bleak. Also would have been weird when Mark Hamill turned up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been a bit Gimli's world, actually, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, who's this? It's like I'm just some guy. Ah, oh, Bluke Star Sailor. <laughs> It's it's like how like uh I I buy a lot of like debuts at the moment like debut books from debut authors and I did it and I did eventually buy the Thursday Murder Club which is Richard Osman's book but it took me a long time because I was like I feel like getting a number one bestseller for weeks and weeks when you're a celebrity it's kind of cheating. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not like massively personally bitter about this, but it's a real thing. Um, like the notes from Small Planets, the book last year, came out at the same time as like the Anton Deck book and stuff. And like, you know, obviously marketing stretched in the middle of a pandemic because you don't have bookshop displays and things. But, you know, it was a really brutal time to launch mm-hmm. because all the limited you know, visibility there is, just goes to celebrity books. Oh. So I was just been manned by Anton Deck. Why did Anton Deck have to write that, that guide to fictional planets? Yeah, I know. The fact they chose the same subject as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Much. So, so I, I, um, I'm a complex creature. I would like more. I think RE3 should give a lot of, a lot of screen time and money to smaller creators and original IPs and stuff. But also I would like RE3 to say, you know, to have Bioware come on stage and be like, EA have given us a billion pounds and a decade <laughs> to make the fourth Dragon Age. You know? Oh, I've got an idea and a half for you, Alice. I think I've just solved this for you. Uh, okay. It, is that it going to move well? Is it going to involve the Matthew clones making Dragon Age? No, there's not even a, like, a giant man in this. Okay. What it, what it is, is for every game that a big developer wants to announce, like before they can start working on their announcement presentation, they have to lend the resources of the entire department to like a tiny developer to make an announcement for their next game. So, you know, in the way that, like, um, before a Pixar movie, you get, like, a 10-minute film about, oh, I don't know, like, an eel 
who wants to become a stockbroker. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you, you'd, you'd have the same. It's like, you know, they'd announce Dragon Age a million. But before that, everyone, check out Chimney Sweet Renegade from Jack in the Ben Productions. And, you know, it's some, like, two-man studio in Bristol who have just had BioWare's entire marketing juggernaut turned <laughs> to promoting their chimney sweep bullet hole game. That. Indies as, like, the, the teaser feature before the main event. That's great. But it's done with the same budget, you know, like yeah. a massive... You know, they, they, they get games Bond on stage to announce it and stuff, and he's got a metal arm. Yeah, I, I, actually, like... One of the things that bugs me about current E3 is how you get all these like indie directs, but they kind of treat themselves. They sort of treat themselves like second-class citizens. They're yeah. a little bit like, "Oh, we're the we're the weirdo collection," and you're like, "Well, that's that's not going to work, is it?" I mean, that's fine for the other twenty weirdos, but like, I don't know. It's not like have a bit of pride. Just don't have like an obnoxious guy in a waistcoat and a top hat presenting your weird indie game. Just just treat it like. <laughs> like anything else like just have yeah. parity like e- like even in the big show like xbox will be you know microsoft will be doing their show and they'll be like and also these indies and there'll be a montage of like 50 indie games condensed into like two minutes mm. and then you just don't people know being like willfully odd and alternative and you're like don't you want yeah. people to buy this stuff <laughs> yeah, so many... every, every developer has to do another person's announce and Every single game on the agenda has the exact same amount of time. There you go. That yeah, okay. I like that. The clones approve. <laughs> I sort as much of, as I can control them. <laughs> yeah, like I'm sort of imagining like all all the clones each behaving like an emperor at a, a gladiatorial games, mm. like thumbs up and thumbs down. Yeah, one doing a thumbs up just looks steelily and slowly to its left and sees the one next to it is doing a thumbs down. <laughs> and then, like, a big Beano fight cloud appears. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. So indie games receive the same marketing budget as, as uh, you know... Yeah, it's like, it's like election campaigns where you've got a, li- a limited spend on everything. Mm. You know, it keeps it fair. And uh, Alice O actually uh, suggested today that we have to have at least one Just Dance slot for the the Ubisoft clown dancers. Yeah, that's important. Respect that, yeah. So they've probably been hit very, very hard yeah. by COVID. Yeah. Because so, no one wants to see a dancing clown when you're locked in house. <laughs> there was one convention I went to. I don't think it was at E3. I think it was at, a, at like a Gamescom or something where one of the Just Dances was there and it was really kind of dystopian because like every 20 minutes, like clockwork, they, they'd come back on stage and do the same routine again. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid I'm about to innovate again. Okay. So you know how E3 is all about announcing like the birth of games? Mm. You know the really cool Ghanaian coffin dancer undertaker guys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What if every E3 a game had to die? <laughs> oh, God. Like, and what? the developer would just like send out a patch that would delete it irrevocably from everyone's hard drive. <laughs> and you'd have the, the um, Ghanaian Undertakers on stage with a coffin full of CDs. Because those guys what? have got incredible moves. 
I don't know how the Matthews feel about digital rights management. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're pretty disinterested. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah. If the coffin, as long as the coffin descends from the ceiling, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they're interested in. It's the, the Undertaker's abseil down, holding it. They abseil down the massive Jeff Cayley. Yeah. Oh god. Okay. Well, I think, I think we've probably. I mean, we spent more time on like the crowd and <laughs> and and cloning and the presenter than the games. But I feel like our it's audience missing live come, events. You know, has <laughs> come to expect that. Um, really, we- three is going to seem very boring after this pod. We didn't do a cavern of lies this week, but that's because I thought it was just kind of more fun to to let this play out. Um, uh, but uh, we do have time to do our recommendations because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. Uh, so, Matthew, what have you got this week? Uh, I don't think I recommended this a few weeks ago when we started watching it, but um, I'm going to recommend that you re-watch The Wire because we just finished doing that and it's absolutely amazing. All right. Sure and sweet. I like it. Um, I'm pretty sure I didn't recommend this last week, um, but I'm going to recommend Murder the Biography. If I have recommended it before, then just buy it again. It's good. So what it is is basically... um, a kind of history, it's written by a lawyer, I believe she's a lawyer, and it's history of the murder and manslaughter laws in the UK, which are mostly sort of derived from case laws. Um, and it's very interesting. There's a re- load of really, really interesting stuff about like uh, the, you know, diminished responsibility defences and when something is is manslaughter and is not manslaughter because we don't in America they have like first second third degree murder we don't have that we have murder and we have manslaughter um and you I know, didn't know that. yeah there's loads of good stuff about like um uh different kinds of defenses and the case law that kind of like the, there's a, a really like wince inducing bit about the first uh doctor who was kind of so bad at doctoring that he was accused of murder um uh, and there's also just loads of other like incidentally interesting stuff. Like I didn't know this, but um, in the UK, murder, like homicide rates, are recorded in the year that a death is officially ruled a homicide, not the year that the death happened. So there is yeah. a like a really anomalous spike, for example, in 2003 where like 170 murders were just added to the record because that's when Harold Shipman was, uh, was oh. yeah, see? So, oh, that's so weird. So even though he'd done the murders over like a span of 30 years, they're all on the record for like 2003 and it just looks like there was loads of murders that year, if you don't know that. So all that, that genuinely kind of sounds really interesting and I'm not even into murder. Yeah, super, super interesting. Uh, so it's... Murder, the biography by Kate Morgan. Um, what have you, you got? What, the, figures, the figures for our E3 with all those clones getting crushed. Oh, it's a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's one final point, actually. We should be quick to address. Where are we holding this? Oh, London, UK time, absolutely. Ideal E3 for me will be happening when I'm awake. Can it be in Walsall? 
I mean, I guess the ideal E3 for you would be your hometown. <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, it uh, it helps boost a region that's struggling and, you True. know, takes the litre of milk away from London's already dripping more. Mm. I'd say host it in whichever country is most lenient towards clone murderers. Yeah, this has definitely happened in the Cayman Islands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. Okay, yeah. But as long as it, it's, it's broadcast sort of BS, BST oh, or yeah. GMT-friendly hours, then we're... <laughs> definitely. Uh, Nate, what's your recommendation this week? Really practical one, this one. Um, so you might have noticed, gentle listeners, it's been a bit warm over the Magnificent recently, weather-wise. Um, and uh, the medication I'm on for ADHD makes me sweat very heavily at night anyway. Um, so I've been quite warm. And uh, when Ashley was pregnant, she had a right warm old time of it as well. So she bought these big cooling mats, uh, which, like so many things, are marketed as if they only work for pregnant women. But in actual fact... They're immensely useful for getting to sleep, whoever you are. Um, they are yeah. incredible. They, I don't know how they do it. I think it's like a warlock's bones have been flattened and put inside them because they stay cold despite being under a, a sweaty lad. Well. And, yeah, and they're really, yeah. Are there any brands in particular or are we, can you just get a sort of generic cooling mat? Oh, yeah, there's like a bill. If you just search for like pregnancy cooling mats, um, you get ones of all different sizes. Some are shaped to bodies. Um, some are not. Mm. I'll make your, your summer better, that will. Lovely stuff. Uh, well, thank you very much. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us for this episode 143 of the Electronic Wireless Show, the ideal E3 special. I think we can all agree that. We have truly come up with some some amazing ideas. It. Yeah, we'll send those along to Jeff and and Phil and <laughs> it's not Andrew House anymore, is it? Who's who's Sony? I don't know. But we'll 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 send those out. We'll see if anyone you know. We'll run that up the flagpole. See if anyone salutes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, until next week, uh, listener, do remember to check out. Uh, the discord where there are lots of fun things like monthly games and uh different channels for different kinds of chat including one specifically for the podcast and uh there is now the promised new merch which has started to arrive but it's a different store link so uh, it's not teespring anymore um so i will put the new store link in the show notes including a very snazzy cavern of lies uh double a side t-shirt um, it's so good i love it um, so do check that out as well and remember to check out Rock Paper Shotgun on uh, all your favourite social media or at least Facebook, Twitter and YouTube by just searching for Rock Paper Shotgun uh, but for all uh, your PC gaming needs just go to rockpapershotgun.com and if you're looking for more podcast fun as well uh, do remember we have the PC Gaming Week spot which uh, comes out on Tuesday nights uh, which also stars Matthew and this week is very E3 prediction kind of focused if you wanted a more uh, conventional E3 show uh, and then of course we have the uh, fortnightly um, 
Ultimate Audio Bang, which is all about online shooters. Uh, so check those out as well. But until next week, it's goodbye from me, Alice Bell. It's goodbye from Jeff Keighley. Goodbye. <laughs> and it's goodbye from Bing Games. I do not wish to be destroyed. <laughs> Bye. Bye.